we are heading into a new series, like I said, um, in the Gospel of John. And so if you're just new to St. Augustine's, what we're trying to do here as a church is think about what does it mean to practice the way of Jesus? What does it mean to practice the way of Jesus? Not only so we're renewed, so that we can participate in the renewal of uh, culture, the culture of our workplace, the culture of our study, our home culture. So the idea is not just to be really great ninjas at spiritual practices. The idea is actually that we can be agents of renewal for the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, how we think about that is we think about practicing the way of Jesus. There's three major components, teaching, the spiritual practices, uh, and community life together. And uh, so we're into a new series on the Gospel of John. But the, uh, at the other end of that, we're talking, going to head into another eight-week practice series around discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? How, what's the map? What does that look like? And um, part of this John series is going to be uh, the primer uh, for that. So we're going to hint that um, John Hoskins is going to come and speak um, about this wonderful encounter. Uh, it's a well-known story around uh, Nicodemus. So I want you to welcome John as he kicks us into our little John series. Come on up, mate. Cool. Oh, I'm on. Cool. Let me just stick this here. Dusted off my Bible this morning, so I'll use that. If I get into it. I wash my pants, so I'll pull those up as well. They're a bit tight. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. The ice is broken now. All right. We can get on with some. We can get on with it. Sorry, Alan, let me just do this. Sorry, new, um, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> That's right. I'm wearing my heels today. Um, Hi everyone, it's so, it's so nice to see you um, after all that. Um, now we can get on with the real business. So um, as Newt said, we are kicking off a new series on John. And part of this new series on John is that what we want to do is lay a foundation for the series that's after this, where Newt says discipleship, and I know that kind of makes some of us break out in cold sweat. So let's just say it's about following Jesus in our everyday busy lives. How's that? It sounds nice, all right? We'll say that. The reason that we want to kick off the series and kind of lay a foundation about what it means to follow Jesus is because following Jesus begins with an encounter. The funny thing about Christianity is that we do not follow a set of teachings. We don't do that. We don't follow a set of rules, and we don't follow actually a set of beliefs. We follow a person. That's what Christianity is about, and it makes us unique that we follow a person, not just some teachings. So the thing with, an, uh, with Christianity is that it begins with an encounter, and it begins with Jesus saying to us, follow me, come and see. So that's what we want to do today, think about what that first encounter is like, and what that opportunity to follow looks like. Right, And we're going to do that by looking at Nicodemus. Man, this passage is so famous, and when I was looking at it, you just get overwhelmed in the detail. What I want to do today is offer a fresh look. <laughs> Newt's like, don't do that, man. Don't offer a fresh look. But I want to offer a fresh look at the Nicodemus story because I think it has something essential to tell us, something that is so powerful for us to hear again that kind of gets lost in the jargon around the story that we hear it every year, probably in, in our readings. Let's get underneath it. Let's see what it's really about. Let's get to the essence of it, okay? Because I think it has something to tell us. 
So the first thing to say is, who's Nicodemus? Nicodemus is a Pharisee. So we all know what Pharisees are, right? They get a really bad, bad rap in the New Testament. And they get a bad rap for pretty much good reasons most of the time, is that they're hypocrites most of the time. But the reason they're hypocrites is because they're so passionate about God. The Pharisees were passionate people. They wanted to follow God. They believed in God. They wanted to do everything right before God because they loved God. That's what a Pharisee is. Now, the thing is, Nicodemus is the elite of the elite of Pharisees. This guy would have followed every single rule. And there was about 630 rules, I think, uh, for my last count, uh, in the Old Testament, the laws, 630. And these guys were so elite that they made up rules so they wouldn't break the rules that they needed to follow. They were the elite. And Nicodemus was super smart complete intellectual kind of guy. He would have known these rules off by heart. He was incredibly powerful, and he was incredibly passionate. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. He goes on a nighttime mission to find Jesus. What would Nicodemus need to find Jesus for? Who's an itinerant preacher who never studied under a rabbi, who <laughs> hangs out with the outcasts and the poor and the needy, people that the Pharisees thought were completely lost, yet Nicodemus goes on a mission to find Jesus. And now, it's really important that he goes at night, because nighttime, in John's gospel, John is always playing with light and dark. And when everyone's doing something in the dark, what it means is that they're trapped. They're trapped in their own small understanding of what God is doing in the world. That's why when Judas betrays Jesus in the garden, John really dryly says, it was dark. No kidding. It was real dark. Yet Nicodemus goes on a nighttime mission to find Jesus. And he comes in because I think he's got a need. Here's a guy completely the top of his game, and he needs something. And he's seen something with Jesus that he thinks, perhaps God's doing something in the world that I need to get in on. So he goes to Jesus in the dark. And like all of us, when we've got a really burning question in our hearts, we open with some idle chit-chat. So Nicodemus does this. He says, hey, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God was not with them. Notice that he doesn't make the next step and say, so what should we do now? He just kind of leaves it there, kind of hanging. And Jesus is like a ninja spiritual director, and he looks past his CV, and he looks past his portfolio, and he reaches over, and he addresses Nicodemus's real need because he knows he's come with a need. And this is what he says. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And in the Greek, Julia, in the Greek here, it's a very strange saying, born again. It can either mean born anew, or it can mean born from above. And in fact, Jesus means both. You need to be born anew. You need to be born 
from above. Why would someone that knows God, is passionate about God, is at the top of their game, need to start again? Why would they need to start again? You know, today, I, want to, I actually want to talk about born again. And we're probably all sitting there, maybe I am, definitely, I think, when I hear born again, it gives me the creeps. <laughs> Is anyone else like that? I come with baggage, man, about born again. You know, I was raised in a Baptist church, then I went to a Pentecostal church. Born again freaks me out sometimes, okay? Is anyone else like this? Yeah, yeah. So born again, it's scary, it's scary. We often equate it with, oh no, the preacher's gonna ask me to have some weird spiritual experience at the front of church after he's spoken. Cool, that's gonna be fantastic. Or it's gonna be, I need to look like a certain kind of way, I need to act now in a certain kind of way, I need to be a certain kind of person. I need to be born again. What I want to do is I want to reframe born again for us because I think we've lost the essence of it and I think it's something that we need to hear again. What does born again mean? Do you know what it means? It means breakthrough. It means getting a breakthrough. It means God coming and shaking us out of our complacency, out of those things that we just cannot get out of, shaking our routines, breaking through. And it's not something we can do ourselves. We know we cannot do this ourselves. We need something from the outside that isn't caught in the routines that we get caught in, isn't caught in the complacency and the, uh, the, the kind of heaviness that we get about this world. We need something from the outside to come in and break through and show us that there is another way to live and that God is doing something in this world and it's fresh and it's new and it's for you born again. Isn't that cool? I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited. Now, I want to give you two kind of pictures about what this is, because it's really hard to explain, and I think it's something for us all that we need to wrestle with and think about where we need breakthrough. Let me give you two pictures here. The first picture is this. Imagine if you were a person that has been living in a regime all your life. Imagine if you were living in North Korea or something. You're brought up there. You know no other way. You look the same as everyone else. You think the same as everyone else. You act the same as everyone else. There is no opportunities for you to go anywhere. You are stuck and you don't even know it. Then one night, someone comes over the border and they break through the border and they come and they get you and they take you out of the country over the border and in the morning you wake up in a new world. But it's not a new world. It's the same world you've always been in. But it's completely new. You're free. You're free to be a person that you want to be. You're free to do what you want. 
That's born again. That's what Jesus does for us. Here's another picture. This one's a true picture. There's a guy who works in the States. He works for the Anglicans, Episcopalians. Go the Anglicans, right? He works with war veterans. That's his job, to work with war veterans that come back from the war. And it's his job to sit with them and teach them, to say to them, the disposable warrior narrative that you learnt is not the true story of your life. That's not the right narrative. It's not the true story of who you are. You are loved and you are wanted in society. Now that's a process. But I'll tell you what, when those vets get it, and some of them are 30, they're young, they're 25, 30, some of them are older, when they get it, that's breakthrough. They're born again. That's a narrative, though, that needs to come from the outside. You can't get out of that narrative by yourself. It needs someone to come and break through for you. That's born again. And that's what happens to Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, he leaves in the nighttime and we don't hear anything more about him. Until two verses, there's two little verses in John's gospel where Nicodemus turns up. And this is really interesting. Think about this. He's the elite. He's, on the, he's a Pharisee. Actually, he's on the Sanhedrin, which is the highest governing council of, of the Jews at that time. These are the guys that put Jesus, helped to put Jesus to death. He turns up twice. The first time he turns up is he defends Jesus against the Pharisees. They want to put him to death, and he says, shouldn't we hear this guy out? Shouldn't we listen to him first? And they turn on him and they say, well, who are you? Do you believe in this guy? Then he disappears again. And the next time he turns up is at the end of John's gospel. Do you know what he's doing? He takes Jesus' body down off the cross and he pays for his funeral. That's someone who's had a breakthrough. This is a guy that gave up his life to follow Jesus. I mean, it's like a CEO of a company giving away his, one, his million dollar uh, pay packet to go and work in the slums. Why would you do that if you hadn't had a breakthrough? Not only does he pay for the funeral, he pays the sum that you would only spend on a king's funeral. It's an extraordinary picture of what it means to be truly born again. Does it mean that spiritual experience? Maybe. Maybe it does. But do you know what it really means? It means that your life completely changes and the freshness of what God is doing in this world comes into your life and you're free to live. That's born again. Okay, so um, what does it look like to be born again? Well, here's the funny thing. This is what Jesus says. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's a strange saying, right? Born of the Spirit. 
I wonder if any of you have been to Wellington. You've been to Wellington? Yeah. Some of you are Wellingtonians. That's cool. Dreadlocks. Cool. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, my wife's going to kill me for that. Um, so on Wellington, if you go to Wellington, you, yeah, sorry, Lisa, you look up on the hills, there's the Brooklyn wind turbine, right? You've seen the Brooklyn wind turbine? It's bolted to the ground. It's a wind turbine, that's good, it picks up the wind, but it's bolted to the ground. That means that it's reliant on the wind blowing, and maybe it'll catch the wind when it comes. But it can't really go anywhere, it can't move. It's kind of stuck where it is. I mean, luckily it's in Wellington, so the wind blows a lot. But when it's not blowing, it just sits there, man. It just sits there doing nothing. The pitch that Jesus gives us of living in the Spirit evokes a picture of a bird in flight. It catches the wind. A bird moves with the wind. It listens for those breakthroughs, of those updrafts. And then it spreads its wings and it moves. It's listening, it's moving, it's on the move, it's following. That's the picture of what it means to be born of the Spirit. That's the kind of person that has had a breakthrough. They move with the Spirit. Now I want to talk about, this is, what, this is my last, what I, the last thing I want to talk about here, but I think, if anything, this is the most important, okay? So please listen to this. Sorry about that. Please listen to this. What does it mean to look, what does it look like to live with a breakthrough and live in the Spirit? Okay, here we go. When the government announced the level four lockdown, many of us, probably all of us, found ourselves on a, a fast, steep learning curve, right? All of us faced challenges. No doubt, many of us grieved job losses, grieved loved ones. What were we gonna do, though? That was a question on all our lips. What should I do now? How do I live now? What am I gonna do? All those challenges, all that grief, yes, I don't wanna downplay that at all. But I think if the lockdown taught us anything, it taught us this. It taught us how to catch the spirit. I think it taught us how to catch the spirit. In those four weeks, we were strange creatures. We were new creatures. We were freaked out creatures. We were dependent. We were innocent. We were vulnerable. We were alive. I think so. And it was freaking hard, man. It was because we had to live with every fiber of our being. We had to live in a new country. We had to live in a new world. And if you had asked me if I was scared when the lockdown happened, I would probably would have said no. And the truth was, I was terrified. We probably all were, right? And it just was hard to figure out what to do. It was even hard how to get food into the house. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't know how to live. No one had the, the luxury of relying on traditional ways of doing things. And then out on the edge, one step away from disaster, we met on Zoom to plan our work 
we called each other late at night for encouragement or to cry, right? Does everyone remember this? We tried new things like exercising in the kitchen and uh, TikTok, okay? And uh, we tried pottery, some of us. We tried cooking and we failed and we tried again. We prayed though. We prayed a whole lot. And in the end, we did this amazing job under extremely trying circumstances. We were awesome. We should be proud of ourselves, man. We were all awesome, right? Thank God. And I am so proud to be part of this community because this community stood alongside each other. We responded quickly to changing situations. We even anticipated what we needed to do before it needed to happen. And people outside of our community saw us. They watched us. And they were amazed at the things that we were doing. People who haven't been to church in years tuned into our services and into our night prayers. They reached across the fence to talk to us. And we reached out to talk to them. Why had we responded so well during lockdown? The reason is I think we learned to listen. I think we learned to catch the Spirit. As we turned to face the unknown, we listened to the Spirit's leading. We lived born-again lives. This was more than just simply running through the motion. We moved with the Spirit, and we were blown, literally, where the Spirit led us. We did things that we never thought we could, we never should do, and never will do again, probably, but we did it, and we survived, and we we moved when the Spirit wanted us to move. And the Spirit was always moving one step, step ahead of us. We woke up to this world blinking like little babies at the fresh things that God was doing. We listened to God, what God was doing so that we could join we moved out of our routines for a moment. We were forced to, but we can do it again. And we listened. And when it happened, we moved like a bird. We caught that wind. We moved with the Spirit where it was moving us. In our workplaces, on Zoom, we listened. How should I respond? I've never responded in this way. I'm going to do it. Should I start a new job? I don't know. I'm not sure. I should pray about this. Is God speaking to me? I'm not sure, but I feel like the wind's moving. I'll do it. That kind of thing changes the world. That kind of thing catches people's imagination. It's not us. It's the freshness of God breaking in shaking up our complacency, moving those old routines that we get caught in, moving us into new life. The Spirit is not something that we can plan for. The Spirit moves, and that means being ready to move. 
We need to do things to relieve ourselves of the baggage that we have that are holding us back from moving. All of us have something that holds us back, a fear of doing, reaching out into the unknown. We need a breakthrough. We need God, we need to hear that voice of God again to say, you can do that. You can do it because I'll be that updraft that holds you up. So our challenge then, I think, is this. I think we need to journey, to learn to journey together again, to think back on our past, think back on lockdown, and to encourage one another to stop living from the old scripts and the old narratives, to be born again, to look for breakthrough moments, to catch the Spirit's leading, reminding each other, enabling each other to live into the Spirit, to participate with what the Spirit is doing. So in this post-lockdown world, I think the most life-giving thing that we can ask ourselves is not, what should I do now? Not what should I do now, but where is the Spirit moving and how can I join in? Why don't we just stand, I'll pray for us, and we'll move into communion. Heavenly Father, we need an encounter with you. Having met you, Father, our life can start anew. Lord, I pray for breakthrough moments where there is fellow ground here, where there are things that we just cannot lift off ourselves, that there are bags and burdens that we need to put down. Lord, I pray that you would come in your gentle way, in your graceful way, in your non-condemning way, and just simply relieve us of those so that we can live the life that you are calling us to. I pray, Father, that you would blow upon us again. That gentle, gentle, gentle breath of the Spirit. That if we open our wings, perhaps even just open our hands, that you will lift us up into new life and into new